0: Coming up on episode 19 of the Big Picture podcast. Remember, according to Geico, the breach happened because cyber criminals access their sales systems by using the personal information of actual Geico customers that they stole from elsewhere on the internet. In addition, board members and senior leadership in different organizations will start to realize the importance of cybersecurity and most importantly, cyber threat intelligence. Because clearly, if cyber criminals can show this level of organization and strategic patience, then who knows how many other auto insurance companies have been breached simply because of either the real or imagined perception of negative press surrounding the industry at this time. Welcome to episode 19 of the Big Picture Podcast. My name is Bidemi Logunde. This podcast presents fascinating cybersecurity topics, news, and events, and how the lessons we can learn from them might affect us and influence our decisions, thoughts, opinions, and lifestyle choices on a daily basis, as well as how everything fits together to form the bigger picture of online security in this digital age. Today on the show, I'll be presenting um, the case of Geico's recent data breach announcement in California, lawsuits facing the auto insurance industry all over the United States, and a history of privacy issues regarding driver's data. Thanks for joining us. Let's get to it. In episode 17, I outlined how scam calls were first reported in several cities in West Texas, eventually led to a rise in unemployment scams in that part of the U.S. which were largely based on private data that were stolen during those initial scam calls which I talked about in detail on episode 15. In other words, cybercriminals are organized and patient and their operations closely mimic those of well-known organized crime families which also happens to be a field I'm quite familiar with but that's a story for another episode. So recently... We learned that cyber threat actors repeatedly stole driver's license numbers for both current and former GEICO customers from a GEICO sales database over a period of 14 weeks between November 24, 2020 and March 1, 2021. And then on April 15, 2021, a Thursday, GEICO posted a breach notice letter on the website of California's attorney general. The notice did not indicate how many customers may have been affected or whether the breach was limited to the state of California. California law, however, states that any person or business that is required to issue a security breach notification to more than 500 California residents as a result of a single breach must submit a copy of the notice to the Attorney General's office. So what we have here is on Thursday, April 15th, GEICO posted a letter that they are required by law to post on the website of California's Attorney General. And they did that because a breach happened, a data breach happened to GEICO customers in California. And that breach affected more than 500 GEICO customers. So by law, they are required to post that letter. But in that letter, they didn't say when the breach happened They didn't say exactly how many people were affected. All we know is Geico posted a letter they were required by law to post. And then that led to a series of investigations and um, probes into what exactly went wrong. Geico stated that the threat actors that stole the driver's license data used the personal information of Geico customers that they acquired elsewhere to access Geico's sales system and then steal the driver's license numbers. So in this um, scenario, Geico is saying they were not hacked directly. What happened was the cyber criminals got a bunch of Geico customers' personal information from somewhere else on the Internet. Then they used those personal information, um, usernames and passwords to log into Geico sales databases as if they were those customers. And then when they logged in, then they just stole a bunch of driver's license numbers and other personal information. So it's basically saying someone stole Geico customer's information to then steal Geico customer's additional information. Now, Geico is warning its customers that the scammers could apply for unemployment benefits using the stolen data. Geico officials are notifying customers that if they receive any mailings from their state, Employment, unemployment agency or department, they should review them carefully and contact that agency or department to find out if the notification was related to fraudulent activities. Organized cybercrime groups have targeted systems all over the country throughout 2020 to make insane amounts of money by capitalizing on the chaos generated by the pandemic. Fraudulent unemployment claims in California alone have numbered in the billions. In Washington state, about $650 million was lost to questionable claims. In Ohio, similar claims amounted to over $330 million, and so on and so forth. In those fraudulent unemployment claims, cyber criminals would typically use previously leaked or stolen personal information to pretend to be someone else in the hopes of successfully fishing the state unemployment systems. So... This is basically um, the preamble of what I'm going to be talking about in this episode. After the break, I will do a deep dive into privacy issues with driver's data. So basically a historical record of what exactly has been going wrong with driver's information in the United States. Stay with us. Interestingly, the collection and sale of drivers' personal data has been a source of privacy concerns. In California, as well as other states in the US, the Department of Motor Vehicles, also known as the DMV, has made about fifty million dollars a year from the sale of driver's information to third parties. So who are third parties in this in this case? Usually they are the the kind of um, agencies that buy driver's data, such as data brokers, credit reporting agencies, insurance companies, vehicle manufacturers, prospective employers, and private investigators who are hired to find out if a spouse is cheating. So why would these kind of agencies need driver's data? So actually, um, vehicle manufacturers, for example, if they need to do a safety recall, so if a vehicle they manufactured has a defect... And they need to get hold of the users as soon as possible. Then they would contact the DMV because DMV has a record of every, um, legal car purchase and they have addresses on file, um, through the dealerships, phone numbers, email addresses. So if there's a safety concern, then they would contact the DMV and request this driver's records. And another issue is for emission emissions control. So, if the federal government is trying to find out how much emissions are cars um polluting the uh, the environment with then they would need a record of cars when they were bought what the model and all those things so they also get those data from the DMV as well to be clear the the California DMV stated that the sale of this data is typically in line with DMV policies because it furthers their objectives related to highway and public safety, including the availability of insurance, risk assessment, vehicle safety recalls, traf- traffic studies, emissions research, background checks, and for both pre-employment and existing employment purposes. They also stated that DMV in California takes its obligation to protect personal information very seriously and that information is only released pursuant to legislative direction, and they continue to to review their release practices to ensure that information is only released to authorized persons or entities and only for authorized purposes. So according to the DMV, they're saying that they don't just release data to just anyone at any time for no reason. And even if there's a legitimate request coming from maybe a government agency or... um, if you manufacturer, then there has to be legislative direction as well. So California state lawmakers would also have to approve these particular requests because it's kind of like a checks and balance system. So that's what the DMV in California is saying. Even though they sell all this data to all these people, there's actually due process being taken whenever those transactions occur. Furthermore, The California DMV also audits requesters to make sure that proper audit logs are maintained and that employees are trained in the protection of DMV information and anyone having access to that information sign a security document. Other DMVs around the U.S. have confirmed that they have, they have cut off data access for some commercial requesters after they abuse the data. In fact, one of the main pieces of legislation that governs the sale of DMV data stemmed from a case in California where a 19-year-old stalker Robert John Bardo paid $250 to a detective agency in Tucson, Arizona to obtain the home address of actress Rebecca Schaefer from California DMV records. Bardo then went on to murder the 21-year-old actress at her home based on the address it was able to find through her DMV records. This incident led to the introduction of the Driver's Privacy Protection Act, DPPA, in 1994, Schaeffer's death also prompted the 1990 passage of America's first anti-stalking laws. So even though the DPPA was designed to restrict access to DMV data, it included a wide array of exemptions, including, ironically, an exemption for private investigators. So the law that was created to protect drivers' um, private information was exempt. There was an exemption built into that law for private investigators, which ironically, that was what led to the whole thing, the the murder of an actress, because a private investigator was able to find out her home address and hand it over to a stalker who then went to shoot her at point-blank range on a front door. So how how much that makes sense is up for debate. So after the break, I'm going to be getting into the lawsuits that auto insurance companies are facing in the U.S. as a result of the recent and ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Stay with us. Recently, Geico, as well as several other insurance companies have been faced with problems unrelated to cybersecurity. On Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021, Class action lawsuits were filed in the U.S. state of Nevada against 10 major auto insurance companies contending that the companies charge excessive insurance premiums during the pandemic by failing to account for a drop in driving and crashes. So the way car insurance companies work is you pay a premium and then they protect you in case you have accidents or some any other stuff going on with your car. But when the pandemic um, began last March, a lot of people were stuck home and they didn't go anywhere. They were not driving. There were less cars on the road, which meant less accidents, So, which logically follows that car insurance premiums should drop during the pandemic. But they didn't, and then that is why all these lawsuits are being filed all over the country. The lawsuits acknowledge that some insurers provided discounts, over the emptier road and drop in accidents and claims. But the discounts did not offer any meaningful relief and that actually reflects the reduction in cars on the road and the reduced driving during the pandemic. The rates that were charged violate state laws against excessive premiums, according to the lawsuits as well. So the lawsuits were filed on behalf of Nevada's insurance customers against State Farm, USAA, GEICO, Acuity, Liberty Mutual, Farmers Insurance, Progressive Insurance, Travelers Insurance, Nationwide Insurance, and All-State Insurance. According to a statement by State Farm, the country's largest auto insurer, the filing of a lawsuit does not substantiate the allegations within the complaint. USAA stated that they were reviewing the lawsuit, but that it was important to note that on three different occasions in 2020, USAA returned dividends totaling $1.07 billion to all auto insurance policyholders, due to fewer drivers on the road because of the ongoing pandemic. The discounts provided by insurers to reflect pandemic driving conditions varied. So, Equity, um, one of the insurance providers in Nevada, they provided a one-time refund ranging from $50 to $100 per um, policyholder. Um, for State Farm, they provided a 25% reduction in bills for their customers between March 20, 2020 and May 31, 2020. So for a per- two-month period last year, State Farm provided a 25% reduction in bills. For GEICO last year, they provided a 15% credit for their customers who were renewing their policies between April 8, 2020 and October 7, 2020. So lawyers representing the plaintiffs, however, argued that those rates should have been cut at a much higher percentage, closer to 50 to 60%, instead of the 25% here, 15% there, and the um, one-time refund by, by equity ranging from 50 to $100. In September 2020, the Consumer Federation of America stated that the relief provided by auto insurance was not enough, and that state insurance commissioners who regulate the industry had failed to prevent windfall auto insurance profits as auto claims dropped when driving and auto crashes declined. So this federal agency, the Consumer Federation of America, actually stepped in in September last year, saying these auto insurance companies were not doing enough to kind of meet people at the point of their need and they were pretty much profiting off the, um, the customers. So in the second lawsuit I'm going to be talking about, that happened on Thursday, March 4, 2021, the U.S. District Judge Shannon Johnson Coleman in Chicago said Illinois drivers could go ahead and try to prove that GEICO violated a state consumer fraud law by unfairly and deceptively marketing its GEICO Give Back Discount Program. She, however, dismissed two other claims, that were related to breach of contract and unjust enrichment. In April 2020, Geico offered policyholders $2.5 billion in credits, including 15% on renewals from April to October, an average of about $150 per policy. That program did not apply to discount um, policies already signed at the start of the pandemic. Policyholders claimed that this offering by GEICO induced them to renew and pay excessive premiums rather than shop around as stay-at-home orders and closures resulted in less time on the road. In addition, the credits that GEICO offered compared unfavorably with the refunds that other insurance companies offered. In fact, the Consumer Federation of America and the Center for Economic Justice both awarded GEICO a D-minus which is well below the A and B grades that were awarded to State Farm and Allstate, both of which offered refunds. So without ruling on the merits, George Coleman said the plaintiffs adequately alleged that Geico misled them into thinking it was passing on all its savings from reduced driving and did not fully disclose that its premiums were not based on an accurate assessment of risk during COVID-19. The third lawsuit I'm going to be talking about here is Um, The one um, in California. So on Thursday, March 25, 2021, a class action lawsuit was filed in federal court in California by Geico customers who alleged that the auto insurer has wrongly refused to pay back overcharged premiums when fewer people drove on the road and therefore submitted less car accident claims during the pandemic. According to the filing... The plaintiffs, who are California residents who have held Geico auto policies from March 1, 2020 to date, are seeking to end Geico's practice of unfairly profiting. The proposed class action lawsuit was filed after California's regulator ordered auto insurers to report by April 30, 2021, about a week from now, on how they will repay drivers for overcharged premiums during the pandemic. The state's insurance commissioner said car insurers were overcharged by 8%, from March through September 2020, and that insurance carriers collected about $220 million in excess premiums in April 2020 alone, while millions of people stayed home to help fight the spread of COVID-19 and reduce the risk of accidents for essential workers. In fact, according to the Road Ecology Center at the University of California, Davis, traffic accidents in California dropped by half after the state issued stay-at-home orders at the start of the pandemic last year. Another factual statistic, Geico reported pre-tax earnings of $3.42 billion in 2020, which is more than double its earnings over the same period in 2019. Geico and its parent company, Berkshire Hathaway, have offered those affected by the data breach 12 months of free identity theft and credit monitoring services. According to the complaints in the lawsuit filed, this offer is wholly inadequate given that it provides no remedy at all for identity thefts and fraud risks that the proposed class action lawsuit members might face for years to come. The lawsuit notes that Geico collects and has collected a significant amount of information from current and former policyholders, including social security numbers, addresses, phone numbers, dates of birth bank accounts and credit card numbers, financial transaction records, credit ratings, and driver's license data. Per this case, this data is now readily available on the internet for anyone and everyone to acquire, access, and use for unauthorized purposes for the foreseeable future, due to the defendant's alleged failure to implement and follow basic security procedures. The complaint also stated, that GEICO's notice of breach that was sent earlier in April of 2021 does not state when the breach was discovered, only that it was recently determined. GEICO promised and agreed to, in various documents to safeguard and protect their customers' personally identifiable information, also known as PII, in accordance with federal and state laws and industry standards. The lawsuit argued that GEICO and Berkshire Hathaway should have known that they were targets of cybersecurity threats given the vast amount of personal customer information they collect, manage, and maintain. So so far I've, I've talked about the the three different lawsuits filed against GEICO and other insurance companies in three different states in the U.S. I've talked about the history of drivers' privacy data. I've talked about what exactly happened with the geico data breach um after the break i'm going to be diving into some takeaways and then wrap up the the episode stay with us sometimes cyber criminals become activists and are motivated by social justice causes such as auto insurers overcharging their customers There have been several incidents regarding other corporate organizations, especially during the pandemic, where customers pushed back against unfair corporate practices, which then led to some sort of offensive cyber attacks aimed at those organizations. In some cases, those cyber incidents were not even disclosed in the news. To be very clear, I'm not saying or implying that the Geico data breach that happened between November last year and March this year was because of Geico's actions during the pandemic or the laws being filed against them all over the country. After all, no one can specifically draw lines of cause and effect in cyberspace, much less attribute cyber incidents to a particular person or group of people. The purpose of presenting these facts on this podcast is to bring about awareness and enhance threat intelligence. As individuals, we have the primary responsibility of making sure that we don't reuse passwords on multiple online accounts and to make sure that we stay on top of what we share and how much we share on social media. Remember, according to Geico, this recent data breach happened because cybercriminals accessed their sales systems by using the personal information of actual Geico customers, which they stole from elsewhere on the Internet. In addition, board members and senior leadership in different organizations will start to realize the importance of cybersecurity and, most importantly, cyber threat intelligence because clearly if cyber criminals can show this level of organization and strategic patience then who knows how many other auto insurance companies have been breached simply because of either the real or imagined perception of negative press surrounding the industry at this time so that's all I have for today's episode of the big picture the episode is produced edited and audio engineered by Josh truly William Please join me again next time as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity topics, news, and events and how they can be applied to our daily lives for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness. Make sure you subscribe to The Big Picture on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Pandora, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please share the show with everyone you think might benefit from it. For questions, comments, or any suggestions on which topics you would like to hear about on future episodes, please send an email to bidemi at thebidpicture.com. That's b-i-d-e-m-i at thebidpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at bidpicture. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your podcast platform allows you to do so. It will really help to popularize the podcast and make it show up on recommended lists. Thank you for your time. God bless and talk to you later.